Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. And I also want to thank our special guest, uh, um, uh, Michelle, uh, who uh, ensure that uh, today's uh, t- today is both a d- delicious and uh, a glot kosher. Uh, where I don't know where the chef is. There you are. Well, stand up, man. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Help us push back against the rapid, unscheduled disassembly of America. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, actually, you know what? If you're doing the sign up, I think if you use the promo code FEDUP right now at blazetv.com slash do, you'll save 30 bucks. So you might as well give that a shot. Save yourself a little bit of extra cash. Uh, by the way, if you want to like this video on YouTube, we'd certainly appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel and hit the bell for notification. Uh, Jason Buttrell is going to be here. He is going to preview tomorrow's big Hunter Biden special. And if you want to join Blaze TV, it's a good time to do it because this special is coming up tomorrow. It's going to uh, preempt this particular program, but it's a big deal. And I think you're going to really appreciate uh, all the information they've been working on here over the past couple of weeks. Fox News is going to uh, start to plan its post-Tucker Carlson lineup. But we're going to start by doing decaying Democrats. Yes, decaying Democrats. We were talking about this earlier today, and again, to give you let you go behind the curtain just a little bit. We were discussing what we were going to talk about today. And I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by, you know, we just played a clip of Joe Biden bumbling his way through yet another speech. We have, I think, 50 hail to the gaff moments like that just so far. We have 60 veep thoughts. And we've got John Fetterman all over the board saying God knows what, when he's trying to communicate with people. And then the really sad one of Dianne Feinstein, who is just like, I mean, legitimately de- belongs in a home. This is not not in the house, but in a home. That's where she belongs. And that is kind of where we are right now with the Democratic Party. And I said, I, I just got to tell, I got to tell the story of all of these people and what they're doing in Washington. This is unbelievable. I need to tell the story. And they said, you mean sort of like a veggie tale? And I was like, that is a very dark joke. And they laughed very hard at themselves because they think it's funny that we're, you know, there's a bunch of vegetables on the Democratic Party. And then I came into this updated graphic, which see, is really unfortunate. You know, I, I want you to know that I don't approve of that message. Um, by the way, look at that uh, Fetterman tomato there for a second. Couldn't that be Jeffy? I mean, d- do we need to have a Jeffy Fetterman character? I think this might be something we're going to need to work on here behind the scenes. I just think that that could be something that we need to do. Um, so, look, let me tell you a veggie tale or two, because this has really been a very strange time, and it, it's a problem, Okay. We can all laugh at it. We can mock at it. Some of it is funny. I will admit some of it is entirely sad. A new story is out uh, today. This is from Slate. Again, not a conservative publication by any means. A brief concerning conversation with Dianne Feinstein. Let's go through this together. Uh, Here is what Slate, again, a left-wing publication, says. It's been hard to find the senator since her return. She's kept her movements mostly to the least populated passageways and skipped luncheons and non-urgent committee hearings. I asked her how she was feeling. She said, oh, I'm feeling fine. I have a problem with the leg. A fellow reporter staking out the elevator asked what was wrong with the leg. Well, nothing that's anyone's concern but mine, she said. Okay, I mean, not... What's so concerning about that? I mean, you might be concerned about her leg problem. 
even though we don't know what it is. But that's not a concerning conversation. But it got a little worse. When the fellow reporter asked her what the response from her colleagues has been since her return, though, the conversation took an odd turn. No, I haven't been gone, she said. Okay, uh, you should follow the, I haven't been gone, I've been working. That's a direct quote. When asked whether she meant that she'd been working from home, she turned feisty. No, I've been here. I've been voting, she said. Please, you either know or don't know. Well, I guess that's, that's, the end of that is very, very accurate. On Monday, I'd asked another member of the committee, Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal, who, by the way, is not incoherent and not senile, but also seriously sucks. Again, the ones that are aware in the Democratic Party, they're not good, but at least theoretically they can get through sentences. Blumenthal uh, asked, was asked whether there was really any optimism that Feinstein could return to being a fully functioning, contributing member of the committee like her old self. Quote, there's one job that no one else can do for us, which is to vote, Blumenthal said. And she's been doing that job in the last few days. And so far as I can tell, she's been doing well. These people are repulsive, despicable human beings. I, I don't know how else to categorize this. This woman has forgotten she was out of town for three months. And because she will vote the way they tell her to vote, they're happy to have her there. They don't care about her well-being. They don't care about the well-being of the country, obviously. They don't care about anything but their own power. Unbelievable. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, another senator who I'm asked separately, had a terser response. I'm going to leave that to the medics. Oh, good. Good, good job there, Sheldon. Uh, go back to your country club. Uh, see how that's uh, working out for you. I, I mean, it's absolutely incredible that this is going on in our country. And this is, of course, not the first thing. We're not saying, oh, Dianne Feinstein said something bad. This is just one example. We go back to her return uh, for con from Congress. Uh, this is when she was wheeled into Congress. Not looking, uh, you know, okay, not looking so great. Uh, you zoom in on her face and it seems like there's something seriously wrong with it. It, it appears that Part of it might be melting. I don't know. That's, that's how I would categorize it. And then here she is coming in with the very, I mean, the, the, the werewolf hand thing that's going on there with Chuck Schumer walking next to her. And you know what? Chuck Schumer doesn't care about her hand or her face or her brain. None of it. Because she's voting the way he tells her to vote. That's women's lib for you, boys and girls. Dianne Feinstein, of course, has had multiple incidents this year. Dianne Feinstein facing resignation calls after missing 60 Senate votes in 2023. That was the time she left. I should remind you, of course, she didn't remember that at all. Didn't remember she missed the 60 votes. Dianne Feinstein could be third in line to the presidency as a, pre a Senate president to pro temp, but she appears unaware that she's already declined the job. Well, I haven't thought about it, but I'll let you know when I do, said Feinstein, who was first elected in 1992. I just got back. I've had a lot of issues. An aide walking with a senator quickly interjected, telling an insider that Feinstein had told a few reporters in the past that she's not thought about it and has no intention of seeking the position. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, that's what you've told reporters, the aide said to Feinstein. I don't know what you're saying, she replied. This is about the Senate pro tem position, he said. Well, I haven't said anything about it that I know of, she insisted. You were asked about it the, uh, over the break, and you put out a statement saying that you had no intention of running for it, he said, apparently referencing the statement given to the Post. And then she said, okay, well then, I guess it's out. This is disgusting. Right? It's legitimately sickening that this is happening in our country. 
this woman is being, uh, you know, the, people make the weekend at Bernie's joke, which is a incredibly, uh, has incredible legs for a movie that really wasn't all that lasting. Uh, the, the references to weekend at Bernie's will last forever, apparently. But like, this is basically what's happening here. They are wheeling her around and having her press the buttons and keeping her in power. Of course, this is back in February now. Diane Feinstein appears unaware of her retirement announcement during reporter gaggle. Hmm. Here is uh, Diane Feinstein talking about that. I haven't made that decision. I haven't released anything. It will be my plan. You put out the statement? I didn't know they put it out. Um, so it is what it is. It is what it is. And she goes on to say, I think the time has come. Wait, you just said the opposite of that. (sighs) So sad. Baffled Dianne Feinstein walks out of the Senate chamber wondering what just happened. Did I vote for that? Not only is she voting the right way for Democrats so they don't care, but this is a woman who doesn't even remember what she just voted for seconds beforehand. This is a... This is absolutely repulsive and below a country of any. I mean, we would be mocking this if it happened in Madagascar or if it happened in, uh, you know, some third world nation where they were, uh, you know, throwing, wheeling in uh, decrepit representatives to cast a vote. If this was happening in, you know, Somalia or Uh, you know, uh, gosh, anywhere in Eastern Europe, we'd be like, oh, I can't believe that these, do you believe these, the mockery they're making of these governments? This is what we're doing. We're supposed to be the superpower here. We're reeling in 90-year-old dead people to vote. Of course, they're not all 90 years old. John Fetterman also exists, and he is seemingly as incoherent as Dianne Feinstein. Now, Feinstein has a real, I mean, she's obviously a woman in the throes of dementia. I mean, that's, now I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but it's something like that or related to it. She can't remember anything. She's obviously in the middle of the, uh, of the end of her brain function. Uh, it's not going to turn around and go the right direction. Now, John Fetterman, we've been told over and over again, he had a stroke and that's his problem. But it's going to turn around anytime soon. Just cross your fingers. That'll happen anytime. It's been, what, six, eight months now? So I don't know when that's going to happen. But I will say, at least Dianne Feinstein was voted in when people thought she was coherent. Pennsylvania voted for Fetterman when they knew he was Fetterman. They knew this is who this guy was, and they put him in office anyway. Thank you for that, Pennsylvania. John Fetterman struggles with asking basic questions to disgrace Silicon Valley bank executive. Now, this is a very difficult clip to understand. So we've gone through the trouble of transcribing it and giving you subtitles. You're going to need them to try to get through what is happening here. But at the end of it, even when you read every single word and hear every single word, you still won't know what he's saying. Watch. Is, is it staggering? Is it a staggering responsibility that, a, that, that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy? It's astonishing. That's like if you have, I mean, like, and, and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter by, by how you know so it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how 
how their their conduct is. I mean, uh, I have absolutely no no words to describe that, with the exception of his words. And let me give it to you one more time, just in case you missed it. Is is it staggering? Is it a staggering response? Responsibility that Eich that that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy. It's astonishing. That's like if you have I mean like uh, and and they also realizes that 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 eh, now that they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved uh, by no ma eh, again ban no matter nambi bye bye how you know so it, it it's you know what isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of this this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how Rrr, there's their conduct is. Now, I don't know what your position is on sailing banks. Should we set them adrift into the sea? I don't know if that's a good policy or not, but it was hard to get to the bottom of it in the middle of that committee hearing. And then we have Joe Biden. <laughs> We've played you how many hail to the gaff moments where he's just bumbling his way through a speech. At least he can occasionally, occasionally get to a coherent thought. It's usually wrong or a lie, but at least he can occasionally get there. He's certainly better than Fetterman or um, uh, Feinstein, which is saying something, isn't it? And this is a guy who's most, I mean, here's a guy who's running for president in his 80s, who centrally, I mean, think of the things he's done. He's ruined the economy. He's he ruined our withdrawal from Afghanistan. That was a catastrophe. The border is a disaster over. And and he promised us he was going to cure cancer. Has he cured cancer yet? I don't think so. By the way, you can get the uh, T-shirt. It's available now. Has Joe Biden cured cancer dot com. It just says has Joe Biden cured cancer dot com. And here's the thing. You can get that, by the way, it's Stu does merch. Uh, dot com code stu10 to save 10%. It's a good question. Has he cured cancer yet? Can we look at the website? Has Joe Biden cured cancer yet? Dot com? Oh, no. Uh, cancer still exists as of this very, very moment. So who would you rather have? I mean, I guess you could have an AOC who is an idiot, but at least can kind of come up with coherent thoughts sometimes. Do you want a socialist in office or do you want uh, a vegetable in office? Do you want a veggie tale? Do you want the nation's history to be a series of veggie tales? Why, why is this our only option? We can't do better than this. We can't do better than either a, a giggling 30-year-old or a, a bunch of 90-year-olds who can't speak. There's no other options, really. This is what we have over and over and over again. And I have to ask the question, what is the fascination with holding power until you die? What is the fascination with this? Is there not a moment where you go and do something else where you leave your job and spend time with your family, where you go to your grandkids' Little League games and watch them and cheer them on? Does that exist for any of these people? Do any of them want this? Do you need to be 89 years old being wheeled in to press the button with your weird were- werewolf hand? Is that really the right move? Is it? 
Is there nothing to do with your life? Who are these people? Do you know anybody like this who would want this to happen? Who would want to stay in power until they take their very last breath? Is that the sort of world you've designed for yourself? It really is pathetic. I mean, we have 35-year-olds like AOC. We've got uh, 89-year-olds. We need to start narrowing this so none of them can do anything. Maybe we just, no one can hold office unless you're like, precisely 52 years old. I don't know, maybe it's 52. What, what is the right number? 52, 48, 55, 41, whatever the number is, pick one, and we'll keep, we'll keep rotating people in that are exactly that age because we can't seem to nail this with any wide guardrails. You know, this is a group of people on the left who are rolling in John Fetterman, who are rolling in Dianne Feinstein, who are propping up Joe Biden, who are letting Kamala Harris go out there and run her mouth over and over again. And those people are the same people who spent their life mocking people like Ronald Reagan. Now, Ronald Reagan was in office, of course, 1981 to 89. And it wasn't until five years after he left office that he uh, let everyone know that he had Alzheimer's. Stop and think about that for a second. First of all, Ronald Reagan was younger than Joe Biden is running for re-election now. Younger. Everyone thought he was the oldest guy in the universe. No, he was younger. And you might think you watch someone like Joe Biden bumble his way through life and you think, oh, well, that's just what you are at 80 years old. That's not true at all. There are plenty of 80-year-olds who are very, very coherent and have their brain working just as well, if not better, than it did earlier in life. Well, let me give you a moment. This is, you know, remember, they were mocking Ronald Reagan. They wanted to send him out because he was he was too bumbling, too much of an idiot, too much of a, a, a forgetful guy. They were Genesis was making videos saying that he might just nuke the country. He was so incoherent. Let me give you a little preview, a little. I guess we're looking back at this now as to uh, what he was doing the day he left office. A 30 minute interview with Tom Brokaw one on one. Let me give you a little sense of this. Tell me which one would impress you more, Joe Biden of today or Ronald Reagan 1989? Can you recall incidents in your life when you have prayed and God has answered your prayer almost in a specific way? Yes, I think I can. And uh, I believe very much in what Abraham Lincoln said when he had this job. He said he couldn't perform the functions, the duties of this job for 15 minutes if he didn't know that he could call upon one who was wiser and stronger than all others. But in that connection, I think my mother, a lesson that was hammered over and over again, and as I grew up, I really began to realize, and that is when there was a great disappointment, something went wrong, she would say to us, look, just everything happens for a reason and for the best. Now, she said, you may feel bad about this right now, but down the road, something will happen good. And you will, in appreciating that, look back and say, if this, if that hadn't happened, that supposed bad thing, this good thing would not have happened. Now, I picked, you know, a medium clip from that interview. There's times he's going through policy. There's times he's going through his younger years. But, I mean, have you ever heard Joe Biden? I don't know, in 1972, he wasn't talking that coherently. This is just an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment for our country. There's no reason we have to be like this. We have to continually torture these old people by keeping them in office. We have to figure something out. Look, term limits is an easy solution. 
85% of the 80, 85% of the people in the United States support it. It's supported bipartisan means. All we need are people who will actually give up their own power. That's all we need. I'd be fine exempting the people currently in office from having to face term limits just to get these things in place because this stuff can't happen. I mean, Dianne Feinstein is a, is a medical patient, not a senator. Same thing with Fetterman. Same thing with Biden. This is an embarrassment and we have to do something about it. Jason Buttrell is going to join us next with details on what not Joe Biden's uh, younger son, Hunter, is up to and all the crimes he's committed. Because we can't just have old people. We also have to have really corrupt old people. Back with more in a second. Big tech and big data have shown us time after time that they're not on our side. And yet we're giving them access to record our personal lives 24-7 with our phones. I mean, they're monitoring us, obviously, all the time. Uh, even when your phone is off, the microphones and cameras and location trackers still work. You know, I was talking to Yaku uh, Boyens the other day, and he has a you know, refuge ghost sleeve like this one. I got this is mine right here. And, you know, it's great for a bunch of different uh, reasons. That's a very nice looking uh, pouch for your phone. And you put your phone right inside and it's a Faraday fabric and it can block all the signals. And we were talking about how you'd use it because it will help block all the you know, big tech from monitoring you. But I asked him how he used it. And he said, I just use it as like a personalized skiff. You know, like in government when they had the high-powered meetings, and this is Yaku's life. He's always in there meeting with, like, government bigwigs. And, you know, they had these high-leverage uh, conversations. Everyone comes in, put their phone in this pouch, and set it down. They can't hear anything. No one can record if it's there. The signals can't get in and out. It blocks everything. You're having an important business meeting with someone. You don't want them to record your stupid, uh, you know, your conversation because they're going to go to the stupid Internet and, you know, release it or whatever. Get a couple of these things, have them come in, pop your, their phones in these as you, as you talk. You can protect yourself. RefugePrivacy.com. Go there, use the code STU, save 10% off your order. It's RefugePrivacy.com. The promo code is STU. Get 10% now, uh, off now at RefugePrivacy.com. I'm joined by Jason Buttrell. He's head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Speaking of Glenn, this is his normal slot, uh, but he is feverishly working on a bunch of big stuff for this week. Uh, there's a new episode tonight on Glenn's show called Apocalypse GPT, Why We Must Shut AI Down Now. That's airing at 9 p.m. Eastern right after this show. And then tomorrow, there's another huge special. This one's coming uh, tomorrow, and it's going to be big. The Reckoning, tearing apart the entire Biden crime family, and that's happening at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to preempt this show tomorrow, so we'll be off tomorrow back uh, on Thursday, or I guess Friday. Uh, don't miss out on that as well. Jason, thanks for coming on the program. Filling in for Glenn. Yep. You've got big shoes to fill. Uh, you're much, you're a much slimmer version <laughs> of the uh, normal guest in this slot, so we appreciate you making the time. Yeah, no problem. Um, you're working, I know, as well, hard on this big special for tomorrow. And it's, it really is a big one. Um, it, it's funny because I think you started this with one vision of what you're going to try yeah. to accomplish. And in the interim, as you're doing this, it's expanded and exploded into 10 different things. Yeah, uh... It's kind of a weird coincidence with Glenn specials. Something always happens the week of and completely derails production of what we... In, in a good way, though, I guess. Um, the Comer stuff came out. And, uh, I mean, it really is amazing. We're going to show you tomorrow. Uh, but the parallels between all the disclosures from Congress... And I don't think it's been, it's been given uh, the attention that it deserves. Uh, you remember back in March when the Oversight Committee released 
all that bank subpoena information right. mm -hmm. regarding those ch that Chinese deal. Mm -hmm. And just on the surface, that just looks hilarious. We're gonna do a chalkboard where Glenn's gonna lay this, lay this all out. And there's no company in the world that would conduct business this way. M maybe companies in Cyprus, maybe, maybe they all <laughs> con conduct business this way. Yeah. You know, or maybe you know, in Panama, mm -hmm. or you know, I don't know, the Cayman Islands. A little avoidance potential <laughs> going right. on here, yeah. It's clearly designed to evade uh, detection of where this money is coming from. Clearly, mm -hmm. and the way that these transactions are made, you you know, they it always you know absolves you know Daddy Joe from any of this, and I think that is by design. But we're going to show you guys uh, tomorrow night um, how I don't think there's any question at all that there's some serious shadiness going on. But something that re really annoyed me, and I think annoyed all the people watching right now, is that all we always get these disclosures. We never see anything happen, Yeah. ever. There's never any kind of reckoning, which is what the show is called. There's never a reckoning for anyone. I mean, the, the way the left works, there's no possible way they would allow this kind of information disclosure to happen. Let's say if it was on Don Jr. or something like mm -hmm. that, and they wouldn't haul them into court or do something, you know, utilizing lawfare to go after them. There's absolutely no way. This is a good example. Um, you know, the Durham report came out, you know, talking about, you know, all the, um, the Russia hoax stuff. There's no question now, you know, that, that there was some, you know, crud going on mm. there. So much so. That's that, one word for that's, it. That's one word. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's, that's the, the safest, safest word you can right. describe it. Yes. But it was so bad that I'm sure you saw the FBI, you know, it obviously looked coordinated because the same day they released, you know, that statement that's basically saying, yeah, we screwed up. Which I cannot believe you got the FBI to admit that they were they actually were involved in any kind of wrongdoing. But then you have the mainstream media at the same time saying, you know, ah, we don't think it's that big of a deal. Then why is the FBI basically <laughs> doing a mea culpa to the entire right. world? Yeah, you know, the, the media pu pushback on on that particular part of this is really fascinating because you're right. The FBI came out and admitted we had to change all sorts of policies. These things wouldn't happen again. We swear, we swear, we swear. But at the same time, the media has like didn't get that memo. And so they're going with the other one, which is nothing happened here. There's been no big revelations. This is a total nothing burger. And it's like, well, why are why is the FBI apologizing then? Exactly. But the media has to because they're kind of like backed into a corner on this. Because mm -hmm. even in the Durham report, they talk about how information, you know, from the, uh, with the Steele dossier is at the same time it's getting fed through the FBI, people like, you know, the CIA director, John Brennan. It's also getting fed over towards the mainstream media. And they're all talking about this. You know, they're all like calling, you know, uh, actual sources, you know, government sources and trying to, you know, verify that st this stuff is true. And then they're just running all this information as a, basically a big psyop. And I have no doubt that they all knew that, hey, we don't really have any credible information. There's, we're not finding two credible sources to verify this and then we print it. They're not doing that because all of it now is proven false. So they are just as complicit in this as the FBI. But the mainstream media won't do a mea culpa like the FBI did. But the thing that really pissed me off is at the end of the Durham report, you're like, okay, everyone's waiting for it. You know, we're on pins and needles. What's going to happen? Who's, you know, going to be hauled up to, you know, an inquiry in Congress at the very least? Mm -hmm. Or who is someone going to get indicted for this? I mean, it describes a conspiracy to defame a U.S. citizen. That's what it is at all levels. Durham says, 
well, maybe, you know, we should look at the, maybe the FBI should do some policy, you know, reform, or maybe you should just follow their already existing policies. Yeah. Really? That's it. That's all we got. And that is why we're all pissed off right now. We're just sick and tired of no one ever having to stand in front of the country and pay some kind of price. It's because it's, it's a weird report. In, in some ways, I think it was pretty well done, right, where it did, I think, uncover a lot of the stuff yeah. that had been rumored. It, it, we, we found evidence that they really did do these things, that, this, that Obama knew about it, that Clinton knew about it, that Biden knew about it. We found all that stuff, but then at the end of the day, they're like, and by the way, what we're going to do with all this information is nothing. That is incredible. I mean, it just feels like this is the same thing every time. Why, why is the Biden, what is the Hunter Biden stuff different? Why is the Comer stuff different? Yeah, well, the, yeah, I mean, there's clearly, uh, we, are, we are now in a, we're on a road, this country is right now. It's a very dangerous road, but it's the same road that you can see from, you know, the families in Venezuela, you know, the Chavez's mm-hmm. and the Maduro's, all their kids now are multimillionaires, if not billionaires. They're protected by the government. They can do whatever the heck they want to do. In fact, you know, and, and just kind of like a little, sn- no, I won't give that away. Um, <laughs> I almost got in trouble right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you look at all these authoritarian countries, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, places like Russia, you know, places like China, this is exactly how the political elite are protected in all these other countries. And you look at the Bidens, it's this exact same thing. I mean, the way, you know, just describing the Comer, uh, you know, uh, uh, disclosures, the way they conduct business, there is no conceivable way that I can say in a country of law and order, this is not at least looked into, but they're, they don't, they don't, they, they just, they, they turn their backs. The, you know, the government does. Um, something else that we're going to look at, uh, in tomorrow's show is, you know, there's, there's a few federal crimes, national level crimes that Hunter Biden is implicated in. There's a couple of them that even the mainstream media will, will admit that, yeah, this is a little bit, a little bit shady. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, we're not even going to focus on those because that's all government controlled, right? That's at the DOJ level. They can extend that out forever. They can sweep it under the rug eventually when people start to forget about it. Mm-hmm. Not even going to look at that. We look through the Hunter Biden laptop uh, uh, disclosures. And we found, I think it's around 170 state level crimes Jeez. spread out all over the country, Stu. That's a good weekend right there. Oh, yeah, that's a good weekend. Good weekend. Oh, I tell you what, I mean, there's, a, I'm going through this, right? Glenn is, as we speak right off camera, there is a, one of the, I think probably the largest chalkboards that Glenn's ever done. That's incredible. That's saying something. That's saying something. It's being prepared now. And um, we're going to lay out the vast majority of these crimes out on that chalkboard. And um, I mean, Hunter Biden, there's times when he's committing probably like four to five sex crimes in one day, and that's just the sex crimes, and then there's drug crimes going on the same time. Now, four to five sex crimes a day, now, I don't care what you think about Hunter Biden. That's kind of impressive, right? <laughs> just I mean, from the male perspective, <laughs> it just seems to be. Are we sure? Uh, yeah. This isn't just him bragging, is it? About no, so all the women's the, he's he's in his no. conquest. That's what's so crazy about this. So, <laughs> these are crimes committed in various states, mm. and the evidence is on the laptop. So we have payment receipts. Um, wire transfers, verifying this stuff. We have text messages with video. We have conversations where, you know, Hunter Biden is talking to drug dealers, setting up drug deals. 
our children, yours and mine too, if, mm-hmm. if they were caught with this, they'd be in jail. Yeah. This uh, information's out there. Yeah, and this is, this is, I think, what's central to your point on um, we're going down a dangerous road. The road, the road, if the road ends in a place where the American people believe justice is not a thing, that, that, that adds all sorts of weird incentives to life, right? It, it makes people not respect the law in any way. And, you know, we all sort of just trust people around us, right? Like when you go into a, a convenience store, you're trusting the person behind you isn't going to shoot you the back of the head or steal all the stuff from the store or, you know, rob the person who's at the cashier. And 99.9% of the time that happens, not because people are always good, but because, generally speaking, people are lean towards not wanting to hurt others and, 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 and victimize others. But also that there's an understood law, legal penalty that we're all kind of understanding that we want to avoid. Right. We want to avoid that penalty. And you're seeing that that whole system break down in these Soros DA cities where these people who are homeless and drug, drug addicts, they don't have any sense that there is a penalty to be paid from the law. So they just do these things. They get brought in for an hour, released, and everything's fine the next day. And when that breaks down, you're, you get, your society breaks down. We're seeing this in these cities, and we could see this all across the country very soon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember when we first started seeing some of what you're talking about when Soros was buying up all these DAs, like, what the heck are they doing? Then we started seeing, you know, some of these days like Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg's a great example, actually, because, you know, he significantly decriminalized crime, you know, in Manhattan. Um, Manhattan's like... He changed you, the law. Have you, he changed the law. Have you been to Manhattan lately? Not in a while. It's disgusting, man. Right. I, I think I, I went in December, and you can't everywhere. Everywhere smells like weed. Like I, I, I personally don't think weed should be a, a crime, but I don't think that it should be what New York has turned into now. Yeah. I remember we were walking around for Christmas, and some places like you know like Rockefeller Center, you can't even pay attention. You have a massive headache because you're like slightly stoned the entire time just off the secondhand smoke. (laughs) It's insane. But like rampant crime, you know, we used to say that like uh, New York was like the safest city in America for a time because primarily because of Rudy Giuliani's reforms. It's not that way anymore. Mm. Um, So you you have people like Alvin Bragg that are doing that, but you also have Alvin Bragg as the political, you know, the the guy that is their, you know, operative for lawfare. Um, they're using the law to go after the people they don't like and then protect the people that they do like. So you have these Soros DAs that have us, as you pointed out, that are just questioning what the heck does law and order even mean? We, we're just, we, we don't even really know. That's up in the air, uh, which leaves, it, leaves them to do whatever the heck they want to do. But it also gives them these, you know, you know, these uh, lawfare operatives all over the country. They can go after someone like Donald Trump who's over in Florida. Or they can go after who the heck else that they deem is you know, a threat to them all over the place, while at the same time lifting up the people that they want to you know, be in control. It's, it's very, very dangerous. And, I, I mean, the, the right better learn to be able to fight in this warfare called lawfare. We have got to get more active in it. And tomorrow night, we are gonna give the tools for the audience to do that. Mm. It's great. So two big dangers over the next couple of nights. Tonight, you get the chat GPT, Apocalypse GPT, 
uh, why we must shut AI down now. That's coming up 9 p.m. Eastern right after this show. And then The Reckoning is tomorrow night. It's going to be preempting us here at 8 p.m. Uh, it's worth it, though. It's a big special, and it's something that you're really going to like. Uh, and, of course, uh, the way, best way to catch these specials tomorrow is with your Blaze TV account. Head to blazetv.com slash stew. If you use the promo code FEDUP, you'll save 30% off your first year of Blaze TV. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So AI is basically screwing up the world, and we're all going to die from that. And then, of course, there's the Biden crime family and the Soros DAs, and that's screwing up the other side of the world, and then we're going to die from that. And then there's the supply chains. What happens if you can't get any of your own medication? Well, Jace Medical is here. They're the same company that brings, brings you the Jace case. If you don't know what this is, it's like a little case you can travel with or for emergencies of antibiotics in case you're you know, for traveling somewhere. You don't want to deal with the overseas healthcare systems. They're catastrophes. Prepare yourself with the Jace case. Well, there's also something called now Jace Daily. It's a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to 12 months backup supply of your prescription medication in case of emergency. This can cover a whole bunch of medications, things like you know cholesterol medication, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, and many more. It's a absolutely must buy if you are really wanting to be prepared with your family. Your order is reviewed by a certified healthcare professional and delivered right to your door. I talked to Sean Rowland, he was on the show, and he laid this out. I mean, this is a big, big problem and something that you have to look forward to. He said the, you know, the keeping a long-term supply of your vital medications that can't be overstated. I think that's true. So for your sake and the family's sake, you need to be prepared. Go to jacemedical.com. Use the code STU at checkout for a discount on your order. The promo code is STU at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E medical.com. The code is STU. Well, uh, some breaking news today in the world of cable news. Um, and this is broken by the Drudge Report. Now, I have not been to the Drudge Report, honestly, in years until today. Uh, just not a, not a site I check anymore. Um, but it is a site that I, I don't know if they, they've still been breaking news like they did back in the day. Obviously, the Monica Lewinsky thing being the most famous. But, you know, years and years and years ago, there used to be like an exclusive up on Drudge maybe once a week. I don't know how often that happens anymore, but this is a big one if it's true. Uh, he says that Fox News Channel is considering um, uh, moving Sean Hannity into the 8 p.m. slot that, of course, uh, has been evacuated by the Tucker Carlson firing. Uh, also, that Jesse Waters would move to primetime and Greg Gutfeld would move to primetime in a move that they called one of the, the most bold move in history or something, which is kind of weird. Uh, look, you know, of course, these are already existing Fox News hosts with audiences. People like those hosts. Uh, so I can, you can see, OK, let's put somebody that people are comfortable with in some of these slots. What's odd about it, to call it bold, is you're moving, you know, Jesse Waters from a seven o'clock slot to like a nine o'clock slot. Like that's, I, I mean, that's good for Jesse probably. Probably get some extra cash, maybe a bigger audience and uh, it goes into prime time. Uh, but I don't know that's a, you know, it's a hugely bold move. He's a, a guy you already have and, you know, people like him. Um, then you have uh, Greg Gutfeld, same thing. He's already, they're both on a couple of shows on Fox already and they're going to be, I guess, just moving those shows around. No one knows what this means for Laura Ingram, who was not mentioned in the report, but I guess we'll find that out if it's even true. I don't even know how reliable that would be, but we will find out here in the coming weeks. Also, we're finding out from the Washington Examiner that immigrants are rec receiving court dates up to 10 years after crossing the border illegally. Now, we've seen a lot of 2027s being handed out. We're now getting up to 2033. There was an earlier report that even 2035 was mentioned as a future court date. And think about this from an illegal immigrants perspective. You cross the border. 
they give you a court date in 2033 or 2035. I mean, did you really expect to be here for more than 10 years? You know, I mean, like that's kind of you've already won, right? Even if you lose the case, you've basically already won. You're here. You're in America for 10 years. And of course, when someone tries to kick you out in 10 years, if you lose your case, the Democrats and the media will all go on television and highlight your sob story and say, this person has been here for 10 years. How can we kick them out? They had a child here. and That child has never known anything but the United States, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, you know, take all of these arguments and put them on repeat for the next decade or so. Man, I'm glad the whole COVID thing, the emergency is over. It's in the past now, but you went through a tough time. If you were a business owner and you did the tough thing during COVID, maybe you paid your people and pulled your business through the pandemic. Well, good news. Now you doing the tough thing could pay off because you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee at covidreliefTax.org. This cost you a lot of money back in the day. Now you can make up some of that money. Government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during the COVID pandemic. This is not a loan and you don't have to pay it back. The problem, of course, it's a, it's a government program. So, of course, it's very complicated, but no one knows more about it than the CPAs and tax experts at covidrelieftax.org. You pay nothing up front and you can figure, you can go through all the details with them. You get cash on the other side. And this is for businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, uh, including those who took PPP loans, even if you had increases in sales. So don't wait around. Now is the time to take advantage of this and get something back for all your struggles. If you did the tough thing for your employees during COVID, let covidtaxrelief.org help get you up to $26,000 per employee. covidtaxrelief.org, covidtaxrelief.org. It's covidtaxrelief.org. Well, it's time to check in with the progress of the world's worst promotional can, the one with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it. Uh, one that has destroyed one of the most powerful businesses in America. And I will say this, conservatives try this a lot, and I don't even know if this is a boycott, is it? I think it's just people making decisions, just saying, like, I don't really want to drink that anymore after all of this. It doesn't seem to be a real organized boycott, although a lot of people have talked about it over the past month or so. What's interesting is usually these things come and they go. You know, you see a drop in sales, you know, 5, 10, 15 percent, and then it comes back up and you know, it's over and there's not really an impact. Now, the stock price for Anheuser-Busch has not really moved much, which is interesting. However, the sales for Bud Light are down. And in fact, they keep going down farther. We saw at the beginning it was like 15 percent, then it was 17 percent, then it was 20 percent. Well, Bud Light sales are down 23.6 percent in the first week of May as the backlash continues into the fifth week of Mulvaney fallout. This is a catastrophe. I don't know what they can do. They tried to, I, I swear Sarah Gonzalez is right. They tried to leak the Miller Lite commercial to try to take some of the heat off. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. But man, you know, you just watch your P's and Q's, right? Like there's no reason to do this stuff to your audience. People who want to buy your beer, let them just enjoy your beer. Don't piss them off. This should be easy. But over and over again, we find that it is not. So we'll see. We'll check in next week again, see if it goes any farther down. But so far, just the 23.6% sales drop for Bud Light. So tomorrow, as I mentioned, we're going to be off for the big network special on Joe Biden and all the corruption stuff going on. It's, it's a pretty big event, and I do invite you to check it out. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go. If you use the promo code FEDUP, 
you will save 30 bucks off your subscription. That's worthwhile. You should do that, of course. And if you happen to want to get a, uh, any of our great merch, including our Has Joe Biden Cured Cancer merch and our uh, Repeal the 16th Amendment merchandise, that's available as well now at StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10. You'll save 10% there. We'll see you on Friday.